Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things to All People podcast, a place where we explore what it means to be on God's great mission to gather persons of every tribe, language, people group, and nation, where we wrestle with the challenges of radical love and inclusion of all cultures into one family as a true kingdom alternative to the world. Let's get to it. You are listening to the All Things to All People podcast with Michael Burns and my co-host Jason Alexander. I am Michael Burns. Today, Jason and I are going to be talking with Mel and Latasha Wells of an organization in Philadelphia called ODAT, One Day at a Time, as well as Chip Mitchell, the evangelist of the Greater Philadelphia Church of Christ, as we talk about the amazing partnership between the church and ODAT that are just doing so many incredible things in the city, kingdom things, as they help people uh, escape homelessness, addiction, uh, and many other uh, elements of uh, darkness and the things that Satan wants to pull at our identity and pull us away from God and from goodness. And they are doing amazing things in Philadelphia, in in one of the toughest neighborhoods to do things like that in the country, no question. And so we will be having a discussion with them in just a few minutes. But first, before we get to that discussion, Jason, I'm going to break your heart a little bit because I'm going to teach you the great virtue of waiting. Now, in our last episode, I promised you evidence that would swing you from skeptic to, uh, if not believer, at least in the you know optimistic sort of camp on the existence of Sasquatch. I'm going to hold off on that. I don't even remember that promise, but that is grandiose. Huh. That is quite a claim. I'm looking forward to that. I'll wait. Yes. And and the reason <laughs> is, is because I read an article this week that I thought was so fascinating that I was like, man, we, we got to talk about this. And it is big news in the alien abduction community. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, now I sense already your cynicism. Yeah. Well, no, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm into science fiction too. I mean, this is uh this is fine. This is fun. As long as you understand it's fake. Huh. I'm, <laughs> I'm cool with, uh, with getting into it. Okay. Um, well, okay. Yeah. Well go ahead. now see, that's a closed mind. So no, no, I'm ready. Convinced. Here me. it is. Well, just hang on. So there, uh, are you familiar with the term lucid dreams? Oh, I am. All right. You got me. I am interested in this. Okay. Have you ever been abducted by aliens? I've not. I, well, are you sure? Yeah. That's why I knew you were going to say that. So that's how it works, right? You don't really know. You just have, you're haunted by some, uh, some experience you may have had. That's how you know, right? Most, most cases. Yeah. It's fuzzy, right? People are sleeping and so on. 
But lucid dreams are dreams in which people are partially aware of the fact yeah. that they're dreaming and can control their dreams during sleep uh, to a degree. But they're they're very vivid, right? Yeah. These are particularly vivid dreams. And um, they could be an explanation for so-called alien abduction stories. Oh, right. A you new lost me. study suggests. I lost you. Okay. You said, "Yeah, I was really excited until you said it's a, it's a, it's an explanation for alien abduction." Okay, well, go ahead. What did you think it was going to be? Well, I, I guess I I was so excited when you brought up lucid dreaming. I. I you know, I forgot that this was in the context of a discussion about extraterrestrials. Well, hang so. on. See, there's your closed-mindedness right. again. All right. No, but, you know, claims of alien abductions go back to actually the 19th century. And according to this article, and I would, I would actually add to that, that there are very similar claims of like goblin uh, abductions going back deep into the Middle Ages and before that, that sound very much like Alien abductions, except you have like ghosts or goblins instead of aliens. Goblins. Yeah. So like you're abducted to to hell, I guess. Well, I don't know. Idea? I'm not sure where goblins live. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps you can do some research on that. Yeah. All right. I where do goblins live? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But um no wait, really quick. Yeah, yeah really yeah. quick. Uh, abduction. Abduction, it's it's taking you away to somewhere. It's not well, possession, uh, right? No, it's not possession. No. It, you know, people have these experiences of aliens doing things to them in their, you know, bedrooms or taking them to a ship or, you know, abducting <laughs> yeah. them out of the woods or whatever. And so... Taking them to a ship. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. The, yeah. You say that as if there's not alien ships zooming all yeah, over yeah. the atmosphere yeah. as we speak uh nasa but it's research it, right it's all the abduction in my in my mind it's always for some kind of research the aliens yeah are doing. they're doing so they're some sort of you, probing right surgery yeah all right, right okay yeah anytime you talk about aliens and probing i get nervous but yes. yeah 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 that Absolutely. sounds horrible it it does sound terrible um but these these abductions, uh, say the scientists, often sound dreamlike and trigger feelings of terror and paralysis, and and they usually, uh, you know, attribute that to the aliens. But certain dream states can, um, you know, give those same sorts of feelings, which led some Russian researchers to wonder if dream experiments could provide clues about alleged extraterrestrial experiences. Well, so they took a group of 152 uh, people who say they have lucid dreams. And, and in fact, about 55% of people in the world experience lucid dreaming or at least have uh, once or more in their lifetimes and about 23 percent of people have lucid dreams at least once a month according to Jeez. a 2016 study so they conducted these experiments 
and found that they they prompted them, instructed them, hey, have a dream about finding <laughs> or summoning aliens or UFOs. Wait, so because I've had a lucid dream, uh, as I understand them, but are you saying that lucid dreams are dream on command? So like you can tell someone, dream this? Well, evidently, they that's Whoa. what they that's what they wanted to know is could you do that? And wow. so what they found is that of these 152 people, 114 of the participants reported subsequently dreaming about having some type of successful interaction with an extraterrestrial. Of those, of those 114, 61% described meeting aliens that resembled extraterrestrials from science fiction novels and films. Well, 19% met aliens that looked like, quote, ordinary people. Okay. And so, um, you know, one participant said she met little blue men with oversized heads and big bulging eyes and was blinded by a light. They took her on a spaceship. And, you know, she said she couldn't see after a certain point because the light was so bright and she felt dizzy and light. Another participant said that he was lying in his bed when he felt as though he was being dragged somewhere. And he ended up in a room with a white silhouette that reached into his chest and started doing uh, experiments inside of him with tools. Conversations, isn't that crazy? Conversations with uh, these dream aliens, we'll call them, took place in 26% of the encounters. uh, And a a UFO showed up in 28% of them. 10% of the dreamers said they were actually brought inside the spacecraft. And of those who described their encounters as realistic, 24% of those also experienced sleep paralysis and intense fear. The same emotions that often accompany reports of supposed alien abductions and those individuals who describe being kidnapped by aliens. And so the scientists have uh, concluded that these vivid dreams, these lucid dreams can be so powerful that they blur the line between dream and reality. And that this could go a long way into explaining why people are so certain that they've had these experiences. Okay. So, all right, let me just make sure I understand. So, the dreams the Russians did. Yes. Are they all Russians in the test? Yeah, uh, as far as I know, yes. Okay. Um, so they they does that matter? Do them, you not trust the Russians or? Well, you know, I don't know. I, I guess we're we're on the other side of the Cold War, so it's. <laughs> um, um, but so the. Okay, so you tell they tell them. Dr- dream this as a command yes. dream about aliens yes right okay then they have a dream about aliens and for those that did have a a dream about an alien or something extraterrestrial that suggests to the scientist that behind that dream is an ex- is a real life experience where they no. actually were no oh no okay. no all right no what they are saying is these lucid dreamers had dreams they were you know they're in a sleep study so they know they didn't go anywhere they're being observed 
Right. But they told them, these are people who can control their dreams. So they told them, hey, dream about this. And they did. And they then had the exact same experiences that people report who say, I was abducted by an alien. I see. Okay. So it's like they are like an avatar. It, it's like they're an avatar. Yeah. In other like, words, they're saying when people come in and say, I was abducted by an alien, that it may be a lucid dream they actually had and not an alien experience. Oh, it's the other direction. Yeah. Okay. So they're so they're trying to disprove, not disprove, well, kind of, right? They're trying to disprove that it was an actual alien abduction, but rather a dream. Correct. Which is some kind of subconscious correct fictional narrative okay but but it blurs the line because lucid dreams are so real that when right. you have them you can often think it was a real experience dude i've had them i'm not kidding <laughs> i i know when you were abducted by aliens <laughs> no, no it was no aliens were involved that, that i remember okay have you Unless ever had they... a dream where you dreamed something about someone like say your wife or something and then woke up like sort of mad yeah. That How person. could you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what did I do? Like you, you know cereal. what you did. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, yeah, uh, no, I haven't had that experience. Um, that would be, that would be cause for concern though. <laughs> so, so they may have, they may have offered some evidence here that would, uh, throw light on and somewhat uh, lead towards disproving at least some alien abductions. Of That's course, what it sounds like. Of course, Mr. Giorgio Sukalos would beg to oh, differ. The, the guy with the crazy hair, yes, right? Yes. Oh, that guy is the a genius. ancient alien theorist. He <laughs> yeah. is a oh. genius. Oh, he is dealing with a full deck. My- I love that guy. <laughs> He's my favorite character on TV. Oh, I want to meet that dude. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, uh, visit him in an institution of some kind. Cause I don't uh, think that dude's the ancient out and about the ancient alien theory is easily in my top three conspiracy theories of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And yes, I do have a top list of conspiracy. It's top. It's in I the love. top three. Just for clarification, that's the the idea that the pyramids, Noah's Ark, uh, whatever, it's it's uh, the work of aliens, correct? Uh, pretty much everything. Everything from the Ark of the Covenant is an alien nuclear reactor to Whoa, the pyra- that, pyramids were built is, by aliens. Oh man! Oh, it's that very is rich. it's very wow. rich. It's right up there with the flat Earth theory. Yeah. You're not, you're not on that train. Oh no, but I love, I love to like watch flat earth theory. No, I don't believe any of these. They're okay, but they're great. They're fun on two fronts. One, you're entertained by them. I'm entertained by them. And I'm sort of entertained by letting people think that I believe in them. Yeah. Yeah. That can be fun. Yeah. Well, now you're trying to backpedal. Because you know deep down you because I'm in public on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You believe there are aliens all over this flat earth that's abducting right. people. <laughs> that's right. Falling off the edges and yeah. exactly. Yeah. Being, well um, being chased I, I, by a Bigfoot, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Except Bigfoot's real. 
Yeah, do, yeah, Bigfoot is definitely real. Um, it, you know, I, I, the, you know, since we've been talking about Bigfoot, yeah, I guess I'm talking about Bigfoot like once a week, which is I never. You never, never dreamed you could. Was, yeah, I, I didn't think that hey, would Mom, be the case. Hey, Mom, look at what I've achieved. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm on a show about Bigfoot. Your mom's yeah, so um, proud. I'm sure she shares these oh, episodes yeah, with yeah. everyone. That's one of the many reasons my mom was proud of me. <laughs> um, but, you know, my eyes are opened now to Bigfoot, and it I really am in the epicenter of Bigfoot research. Everywhere I go, dude, there's yeah. Bigfoot gear, uh, you know, trinkets. Like, um, I think I even told you, like, the major coffee chain – up here is Bigfoot coffee. So like everywhere I go, it's Brilliant. like Bigfoot. And I was like, oh, that's that's because this is where Bigfoot lives. Yeah. Like I didn't draw the line. Like, That'll make yeah. your day. Bigfoot okay. coffee. Yeah. There you go. That's why I yeah. want that's the that's the sole reason I want to come visit you in Tacoma. Yeah. 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 Well they serve you in a Bigfoot costume. Do they? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you had me for a minute. That would be amazing. I was like, I'm on yeah. a plane next week, if that's true. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's we, good. We got a so interesting article. Um, I, I thought that was fascinating. Obviously, doesn't prove 100% or disprove anything, but it's certainly an interesting find. But Today, Jason, we have an amazing interview, so let's get to it, hey? Yeah. So I am so pleased to welcome to the show today. We have a number of guests uh, right. from different organizations, but they work together. So we have Mel and Latasha Wells from ODAT in Philadelphia, and then Chip Mitchell, who is the evangelist at the Greater Philadelphia Church of Christ. Mm, mm. Mel, Tasha, Chip, welcome to the All Things to All People podcast. Thank you for having us. We're grateful to be here. Yes, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us. I was in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago, had the incredible pleasure of spending some time with all of you, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. Chip, you and I got to have a couple of good times, good meals together and and sometimes with the church. And then I spent an amazing afternoon with Mel and Tasha going around and looking at ODAT and all of the things that you are doing there. And man, after a weekend there, I was like, I have got to share what you guys are doing there because it's such a a real world example of the things that we talk about here in the podcast about being the kingdom, being an alternate community, being engaged uh, in the problems and issues of the world, being a sample of the kingdom without being partisan, just getting in there and, and being the light of the kingdom and you guys are doing it. And so, uh, you know, Jason and I are super excited to have you guys here. So let, let me start, uh, Mel, maybe with you. You are the president and CEO of ODAT. Uh, what is ODAT? Just share with our audience. What, what is ODAT? First of all, uh, you know, I'm the president and CEO, but I call myself the servant of the city. I really don't like titles. Amen. One day at a time is what ODAT is all about. That's the abbreviation ODAT, one day at a time. Mm -hmm. That, first of all, we mm -hmm. believe was the seed that was planted by God and my mother and my father. 
My father came off of death row, came here to Philadelphia. My father was excused from death row because his brother actually did the crime. Came to Philadelphia, still addicted to drugs and everything. Met this wonderful, wonderful princess who became a mom, who became the queen of one day at a time. She sent him to detox. He got off of drugs. He called my mom and said, I have a great idea. I want to start a company called One Day at a Time. My mom thought it was the wildest idea. But as long as he was not no longer talking about drugs, she was cool with it. And after that, that was just the beginning of a place called One Day at a Time that actually grew from one home that we actually lived in, me, my brothers and sisters, to 32 facilities across the city of Philadelphia. No doubt. Wow. So now when you say you lived in the first home, what what was that like? Describe growing up in that. What was going on in that home? So the first home would be the house I lived in. Me, my brothers and sisters, uh, we were told to give up our beds for the homeless and poor. And then take it back a little bit. My grandmother came from Florida and our house was a crack house at first that my father used to transport drugs to. But once he got with my mom, my mom did not tolerate those types of things. So once we started up giving up our beds, my mom was like, wow, <laughs> this idea he called back with from uh, detox is really working. Let me try to get in my house. The community and God, is, you know, we was doing the right thing. I always give praise to God with it. And the next thing you know, the community just got behind it. We started right in the middle of the HIV and crack epidemic, 1983, mm-hmm. right in the cuffs of that. And God just multiplied that through my mom's love, passion, and he turned that into 32 facilities across the city. And because of my big brother, who's here with me tonight, uh, even Chip Mitchell and Hope Worldwide, Hope, I have to give a shout out to Hope. We're located also in London, India, and Cambodia. And shout out to mom and pop who are no longer here. And we still work for them. Yeah, that's amazing. And you you lost your dear mother last year to COVID. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh. Yes, that's correct. Uh, and But she taught me so much. My mom was equal to 10 mothers. And so there's nothing I can be upset about. All I want to do is just carry on her legacy. And that's why I'm very cautious to say the way they raised me, I still work for my mother and father. It's about keeping the legacy alive. That's right. In fact, when we spent time together, you you listed off several uh, true bosses of ODAT. Uh, you mentioned your, your dad. You mentioned your mom. And then your lovely wife, Latasha, who you said was yeah. also the the real boss. Uh, Latasha, yeah. can you can you maybe jump in here and tell us what what are some of the things that ODAT does? I know you're not going to be able to cover them all. We would have to have several episodes, I think, to cover everything. In fact, I was having a hard time explaining to other people when I got back just how many things that ODAT does, but. Maybe you can, uh, you know, give give some of the important highlights to our audience of of what exactly ODAT does. Okay, so um, ODAT has um, men and women facilities, um, shelters for men and women. They try to bring um, families back together. Um, even myself, they brought my family back together with helping my mom get off of drugs, who going on nine years clean now. And um, I never would have thought. Um, me being born in the same neighborhood, me and Mel uh, growing up in the same neighborhood, that I would be a part of one day at a time. My family would be a part of one day at a time. Um, it's um, like halfway houses, um, drug and alcohol homes, helping uh, parents and mothers and fathers get off the of drugs to get their children back, bringing families back together from youth programs, YRM, youth recovery mode, um, helping the children 
that are in these situations or who who parents are sometimes in our program, you know, helping the children get the resources that they need, um, whether it's even like uh, Mel said with uh, GPCC, Greater Philadelphia Church of Christ, we get them going to the camps and they get the experience living in the cabin and, you know, sleeping under the stars and learning about God. Um, it's great to have that partnership. And there's so much more, like you said, that oh, they do. Um, from, you know, help, helping the homeless and poor, getting the people out the tents. Um, we're doing, um, we have a contract with SEFTA that will be starting on the 15th um, for, um, in Kensington, in the neighborhood where we showed you, we went and did a tour with you at um, Kensington and also 69th Street, not too far from um, Chip, that he also will be assisting and helping us with that as well. Um, oh, that just, we are so many hats, but we, we, we try our best to serve our community and our people. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. And you've honestly just scratched the surface of, of yeah. what you guys do. Um, and I'll throw this question out for anyone here is, uh, let's say you have someone in Philadelphia that's struggling with addiction or struggling with some of those things and they are referred to, or they come to ODAT and say, I need help what are the things that you specifically can and typically do for someone in that situation? Right. Um, I take a stab at it, but my job is not individual recovery, but community recovery. Right. Our job is to unite you back to your family or create a family environment for you. Um, you can deal with the person that has been infected, but you're not really doing anything if you don't also deal with the environment that they have affected that it's the family or the community. So we kind of do the holistic approach. And we actually have about 25 different services from jobs to GEDs to, I have sites for people who are still on drugs that still have hope and they praying, they struggling. I have, I have actually uh, sites for women that may have been off of drugs for maybe a year. A minute. So what we do is uh, we have 300 beds at one day at a time for anybody that would need help in any type of area. Like you may not even be a person that was on drugs. You may be recovering from being a drug dealer. We learn how to make sure that we put passion out to show love, to reunite the individual to the community and their family. So that's that's the that's the big part that people don't understand. That we no longer can focus just on the individual. But if you want an individual to be successful, you have to focus on recovering the environment. Mm -hmm. And now. Chip, if I if I remember right, you had told me when I was there that the success rate of ODAT is something like eighty seven percent. Yeah, for those that uh, actually go through the program, they have the highest success rate of any uh, drug drug and alcohol recovery program here in Philadelphia. Which you know, and and that just says a lot because of I think one the passion and that uh, both Mel and Tosh uh, set for this. But I do think God moves in all the people that are serving in this capacity, whether they are men and women of faith or not. I think God is moving through the desire and the vision of people to really change, not just the individual, but the whole community. And that energy and that effort, if you finish the program, it is highly successful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hats off to God and how he moves through people who have a love for their community. And, um, it's just amazing. And it moves your heart. Wow. And, and let me, let me ask 
chip this of you specifically and then tasha and mel if you want to add to his answer feel free but maybe can you just describe for us you know one of the neighborhoods that i went through that odat is really active in is the the kensington neighborhood in uh north philadelphia if i have all my geography correct here um can you just describe some of the challenges for that community first? Let's just start there and then we'll talk about maybe, you know, specifically yeah. some of the things that the church and ODAD are partnering with in that community. But uh, yeah, if you can just describe that for a minute. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So Kensington has wreaked uh, the unfortunate fruits of drugs. Uh, years ago, when my mom came up, my mom is 81 years old today. She graduated from Kensington High. Mm. Uh, she lived on the other side of Broad Street. And the other side of Broad Street in Kensington was considered a, a more privileged area. And unfortunately, due to discrimination and things that existed during that time, only fair-skinned African-Americans could actually attend Kensington High. And my mom attended it there. So it was oh, a very wow. affluent area. But when all the factories and and things changed in the late 60s, um, going into the 70s, that community changed. And that community has been wreaked uh, so many unfortunate things through drug addiction. The opioid epidemic, that is the center of our country. Um, and some of the reason is it has the best heroin and the cheapest heroin. So everyone goes to Kensington to get it. And if you drive through Kensington, ride your bike through Kensington, which I have done on several occasions, um, it looks like a forgotten land, a barren wasteland where folks are walking around in a comatose state where you'll see needles sometimes hanging out of their arms, uh, people just living on the streets next to stores. It is a forgotten wasteland. And when you go through it, you can't believe that this is America. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is what the effects of it. And when you go through there, it's black, white, Hispanic, folks from all walks of life that have been affected by the opioid epidemic. It's not like it started there. 80 some percent of the folks that are addicted to that come from prescription drugs. But because the potency of the heroin that is there uh, and the cheap costs it has drawn folks from all over and uh, unfortunately the community is suffering greatly because of that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yep to, to piggyback off of what kip was talking about for instance um i have a story of a young man who come from most of the people down here come from the counties montgomery county bucks county the judges, lawyers, uh, kids and, and, and nephews and nieces and um, a young man who was actually in, you know, on on the drugs. He actually lived in in in, a, in Montgomery County and his mom had kind of like put him out. He, she didn't want him doing the drugs there. He went across mm -hmm. the street. He murdered his neighbors, a husband and wife. He stole their car. He came back to Kensington. Um, he sold their car. He got high with the money. He sold their car and he overdosed and died. By the time they found him, he was already in the morgue. So it's so many stories that come from um, stories like that that actually happened in Kensington. Because a lot of them people, 
I can say are pri- privileged. Like a lot of their parents, they got Raymore Flanagan delivering couches to the street so they could sleep on just because they want they they family member to be safe. So mm-hmm. it's so it's it's so it's so bad that they, it's kind of like kind of like walking zombies. It's sad. Mm. It's sad. We've seen um we've seen children that were in a system that run away and live there and they'll live in abandonments with their boyfriends and they are uh they are 14 and 15 years old. You know what I'm saying? Living in a cold, no heat, no hot, no no hot water. A boyfriend is now now they they're part of the system, but they're running away, and their boyfriend ran away, and now their boyfriend is one of the drug dealers here that's selling for them around here. So it's like a whole trickle effect of how they end up getting in there, either from the system. It could be from North Philly, it could be from Bucks County, like like Chip was saying, all walks of life. It's not just like one. They come from all over and end up there. One thing I I will add is that. You have something that's dangerous called fentanyl. Fentanyl is something that is very uh, potent. It is poison, basically. Uh, it is the easiest thing to actually smuggle with border control on everybody. So you can just get a little uh, pinky tip of fentanyl. And that is probably enough to go ahead and dilute maybe two bundles of dope. Two bundles of dope can cost you $260. But you can turn that $260 maybe into almost $1,200. If you have fentanyl. So that's that's the big part about it. The other big part about it is, too, we're not talking about the corporate world. The corporate world, they wind up living out there. They say, never me. But when you get a toothache, you get hurt, you get injured on a job, construction work, blue collar, white collar. And then what happens is, you know, the doctors take them off the prescription. They try to figure out a way or they can't afford a copay. And they go out there and I'm going to tell you, you know, we deal with so many nightmares, all of us, not just them, because I believe they're they're a special community, that we try to cover up the pain that we're going through. It's really not, the system's broken. Let me be honest about that. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of help where you can get honest. I appreciate this podcast because this is a podcast you can get honest on for help. More likely, when you go to your job or your corporation, you may work out or wherever, and you say, hey, I need help. You can't really say that. You would get fired. So what happens is a lot of people try to medicate themselves. And I have a lot of people that me and you were driving together, Mike, that end up in the nice part. I showed you the nice part. They say, no, I'm just going to get me a bag of dope for the day or whatever. And the next thing you know, they're living on Kensington and Allegheny, selling their wives to other people as prostitutes and everything. The one piece I do want to highlight the people that we're talking about, like Chip said at the beginning, it's all walks of life. You got doctors, Tasha said it, lawyers, black, white. And what I truly believe, while one day at a time is being successful, because our leaders come from those streets. And they're the people who are leading oh, one of these. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 I wonder how. Yeah. And, well, yeah. you know, the, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You. What? So you, you, so what I'm saying is he said that the leaders are the ones that come from the streets. He's 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 one that they've been through it too in the streets. Right. So he's definitely one of them leaders that's helping the success rate because he's been through a lot of the things that's that's going on too. Both of us have, but he definitely is. That is so true. I call them Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, <laughs> the reform Bonnie and Clyde. We don't want them to end like Bonnie and Clyde did. Uh, uh, I heard a few stories about Mel, yeah. Is that where they drive off the cliff? Or that's Thelma and Louise? That's yeah, Thelma and Louise. All right, all right. Good, all right. I was like, yeah, that doesn't end well. <laughs> well, you know, and the other part of this, which is really sad, you know, I think last year we were over 1,200 uh, overdoses in Philadelphia. 
this year we're on the same pace. But then we've got the murder rate where we're oh, over 400 okay. individuals victim of violent crime. So you've got all that happening right here mm-hmm. in a very small area uh, of the city. And um, so it's very challenging. It's a daunting endeavor to look to not just change an individual, but a community. Yeah. So can I ask, you know, hopefully this isn't too too personal. Um, you know, I, I have a family member um, uh, for about two decades, uh, someone very close to me who uh, from a surgery was on Oxycontin that turned into heroin and it's just ripped a hole in his life and in our family. Um, and it's a man, it, it is an overwhelming experience, man. It's a it's a kind of evil uh, that's just beyond my ability to cure or even manage, you know. Um, and and my my mother is a uh, she manages a homeless shelter, and and she's she's dealing with this in her family and then at work, and the experience over time has been exhausting. Yeah, like it, it, it's it's a kind of um, it's just overwhelming as as a as a follower of Jesus, trying to even think through what it looks like to give hope in those situations, because <laughs> 10 times out of 10, I, you know, in, in our experience, we've watched it come back and yeah. get to work. You know, it, you, you find uh, some success and then it, it goes away. And I feel like that's had an effect on people in the church where we don't exactly know how to engage. Mm. <laughs> How do you guys manage what you're dealing with on a daily basis? Because I got to imagine, you know, there's an element of strategy, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe strategy isn't the answer, but is it prayer? Is it is it training? How do we face it without falling apart? For me, I have to remember how God never gave up on me. Come on. Yeah. How many times I made God upset still to the day. And he still give me grace. Mm-hmm. We were taught by Reverend Wells to go after the lost sheep no matter what. Oh, no matter yeah. what. That's good. So what I asked the family is, let me be your family. Like your family, y'all are worried. I understand that. But let me be the family for you. Because every time that person relapses, I have a team that's not afraid to go to crack houses or anywhere. And we're going to get that individual connected again. He may not want to do it that day, but my God's going to come back again. And they're going to come back again. And that's that's what we do. And also what we into, and we're starting to really market this, is being resilient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because somebody has, they may have a month clean. Just because they relapse that one time don't mean they got to go all the way back. I I love it. And what happens is a lot of people take all their clean time away from them. Instead of understanding and say the same mercy and grace that God and Jesus Christ show us, we have to show them. And I yeah. truly believe that is why ODAD is getting funded, why we're being successful, because we have decided to run the mission for God and never give up on the loss. And if you look at the Bible, we all know that the strongest leaders are the lost people. And yeah. that's you, why. You're dead right. That's great. That's why it's very important not to just have the college degree people to run the organization. Come on. But the right. same people from the streets that says, like the Bible, right? Wow. Here go Paul that was Saul. And we have stories. And I have people, oh, that has been going on. It's going on 40 years. I got people that are alumni at one day at a time who've been clean for 31 years. 
And mm-hmm. that's it. Keep going. Keep being persistent. Never give up. Just like God never gave up on you. And all sheeps are important. Yeah. So it sounds like you, y- y'all are so rooted. Your courage, your resilience, your your hope, the actions you're taking are are, are flowing from your own um, understanding and experience of and with God. And, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like that's um, that's very inspiring. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it the level of creativity uh, that's that's coming from your own experience. Mm. is something i yeah i i don't know i i wish there was a way to to bottle that but i think i think your witness um uh, in your own experience is so powerful so yeah that's great um mm. i i have more questions like that but l- let me let me back off now mike you probably got some <laughs> well let, let me just say that um to to circle back to the discussion for just a moment of Kensington, I, I have to confess that when we were on our way there and Chip was telling me some of the things about the neighborhood and, you know, I, I think he even used the phrase, you know, you have people with needles hanging out of their body. And I'm thinking, yeah. okay, first of all, come on, man. I, I've been to cities in Africa. I've been to Lagos. I've been to Nairobi. I've been all over the place. I've, I've seen stuff. I've been to, you know, inner cities in America. Um, and, and secondly, I thought, okay, I get the, I get the picture of what you're trying to communicate, but obviously it's a bit hyperbole and metaphorical here. (laughs) And then, you know, I'm riding around with Tasha and Mel and they're using similar phrases and I'm thinking, okay, well, the same hyperbole and metaphor. Here we go. And then I got into the neighborhood and I was like, oh my goodness, I have never seen anything uh, quite like this, this much hopelessness. And you talked about um, zombies walking around. And I literally saw people who, in their faces, in their eyes, they looked like zombies. They, uh, you know, I just had never seen that in those numbers, you know, maybe you see one or two people. Uh, and then we drove by, uh, I forget the the name, but it's nicknamed needle park. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, th- and I realized, Oh, that wasn't hyperbole. There's literally dozens and maybe even hundreds mm-hmm. of people with needles just yeah. stuck in them, just walking around like that. And so it's, it's a place where, um, Satan has done some very vicious work, obviously. And it's, it's very dark. And yet there are these pinpricks of light, uh, around this, uh, neighborhood in this area and, and quite a number of places and and I'll say two things about that, and then I'm leading into a question here is one, and, and I mean this with all respect in the world, Mel and Tasha, you reminded me kind of of a crime boss walking around the neighborhood. And what I mean <laughs> by that is you have somebody who in in these neighborhoods has so much respect and so much pull and has helped so many people that they're almost untouchable in the neighborhood. You know, like you, you don't mess with that person and they run so many things. 
And so you guys were like that, but in a good way, obviously, in a, in a kingdom of God way, like, you know, you could see the respect that people had for you all. And, um, you know, the, the lack of fear of going into places and just like, Hey, we can, we can help, we can make a difference. And so then my second thought is those little pinpricks of light that you see in this darkness, they, they all, that light tended to be blue and orange. So, so mm -hmm. tell me about that. Uh, Chip was pointing out as we were driving around at one point, like there's blue and orange, there's blue and orange, there's blue and orange. So what's up with all the blue and orange around Philadelphia, yeah. which is supposed to be like green and silver, right? So hey, what? I blue, really blue, blue, like red, white, and blue. <laughs> Listen, I, to be honest with you, we started blue and orange uh, years ago. But I did not see this much blue and orange until Uda started kind of doing blue and orange, to be honest with you, right? And like I told you at the beginning, is that it gets tied to my roots of where we come from, uh, where my grandmother and my father used to bring up drugs from Miami, Florida, from Fort Lauderdale. My father come from death row. Uh, my cousin even got arrested on the Florida Gators, I think, with two kilos of cocaine. And so it's just a way to publicize and for me to not forget where we come from. Not the good part, not the good, but the bad part is very important to look at the grace of God where he has brought us from. And on the side that you talk about walking around, I got to be honest, I should put it out there a little bit on me, right? <laughs> I'm from both sides of, of the streets. I, I was addicted and I was a drug dealer. And so what I did was take the negative energy I used to use on the street and allow God to allow me to walk, as you say, through the valley and to reach out to individuals. And I have a whole team of people. Um, when I was raised, I was always raised, Tasha was raised in the same way. We, I thought I was rich growing up. reason why I thought I was rich, I was from the heart of North Philadelphia on welfare. But my father was well respected. My family was well respected by the churches, by the masses, the drug dealers and everything. So what we do is we call ourselves the glue in the city of Philadelphia, between the community and the police department. So rather you are a drug dealer, rather you're a preacher, whatever you are, you're going to have to eventually come through and deal with one day at a time. And you talk about walking around, we just truly, we really believe that we're more than conquerors. We really believe that. And we believe that we were chosen for this job. And that's why God brought us with that storm. And with partners, with partners and mentors, I'm going to say mentors, such as GPCC, the Philadelphia Church of Christ and Hope Worldwide, we have, I know for me, I have been talking, Mike, you're talking about it. You know, Youth Corps, we go in some of the most craziest places too when I was a teenager. So I was trained and I was brought up by my church family and Hope Worldwide to walk the way we walk along the way my mother and father taught me to walk. But it's more of a swag of knowing the confidence who's with me. It's my staff. My staff come from the streets. I got I got a street team and you can put three individuals together and they got over 50 years in jail. So it's all about them and it's all about God's protection. So it's mm. simple to me. And just to clarify, that's that's great, by the way. And just to clarify uh, for people listening and trying to follow some of the clues of your language, um, you had kind of grown up in the church and did Hope Youth Corps and did those things. And then took a different path a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then came back to, to Christ yeah. as a disciple of Jesus. Uh, but the let, let me just ask this specifically, and whoever wants to answer this, 
if I'm walking down, you know, the street in Kensington and I see a house that's painted bright, bright blue and orange, what does that tell me? What's going on in that row house? You have all these row houses that are connected to each other. What's the blue and orange houses? What I did was a code for the city of Philadelphia. <laughs> so for, for, for the city of Philadelphia, the politicians know, the utility companies know, the zoning people know, when you see orange and blue, give Mel a call to see if it's really one of his facilities or not. If the police have a warrant out for somebody arrest, they know they're allowed to go in an orange and blue facility. If they have a problem, they go ahead and give me a call. So it's more of a code in our city that that's ODAT and don't touch that. Well, the other thing, too, that is pretty amazing is if you see a blue and orange house, you can count on nobody. There's not going to be trash out in front of that house. Folks are not going to be smoking uh, uh, weed or doing drugs. Uh, they're not going to be tearing up that part of the street. That That is a message that these folks, yeah, they may be in recovery or they may be, you know, coming out of just coming out of incarceration or they may be really down and it's terrible. But that house symbolizes change, not just for the individual, but for the community, because you can go right across the street and see trash everywhere. And you see folks uh, really not taking ownership of their community, but you're not going to see that in an ODAT house. That is, that is taught that you're not, you're not, your recovery is not just for you. When you were tearing up the streets and doing whatever you did, you are now going back as a new person, a new individual, not just for yourself, but for your community. And that's why they're out there cleaning up the streets for volunteering. That's why they're going to the corners asking folks to help out because this is, they're very serious about not just you, but the community, the community. We want that whole environment to be different. And so when you see that orange and blue, it, it means something. And that's not a knock on any other recovery program out there. That that's, that's hey, everybody's doing what they feel is right and they're giving their best effort. Yes. yes. But but this is our best effort. Yeah. And this is what we're trying to do. Not to the detriment of anybody else or the exclusion of anybody else. They're all pieces of the puzzle, but this is our puzzle piece and and, and we're going to hold on to it. But at the truth of the matter is some people can't find recovery in ODAT. My my own family you know, in the eight, late 80s, my, I had a family member that was in ODAT and, and got kicked out, <laughs> could not gain recovery in it, did not like what it was doing. She found recovery somewhere else. And, and we're glad about that. Our goal is not we want to be the best, number one. Our goal is to do what God has given us to do. And everybody, you know, so that, that that's a big thing. We're not trying to, you know, ODAT is not trying to be, hey, look at us. But we want to make sure that we send a message. This is our brand. This is what we're doing. And we're putting our best foot forward with what God has given us. And, and praise God for that. You know? Amen. And, and y'all are some of the most truly humble folks I've met. Uh, I just wanted to say that. And so just, just for clarification, again, for those listening, um, the, the, the blue and orange houses, and redirect me if I'm wrong here a little bit, these are properties that ODAT will buy fix up, prepare, 
and then utilized to help people who are in, yeah. in recovery or in have been adjudicated or whatever, Thank you me. will sort of put out a promise that, hey, if you come to us, we'll get you your own housing within a certain amount of time. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yes, that's, that, that's definitely correct. Uh, more of when you see the uh, orange and blue, I'll go back and say, we don't really buy houses. People give them to us. People donate all of our properties. Wow. The city calls on us. So we, I don't, yeah, we never, I mean, we never even purchased the property as far as I remember out everything we do have. Everything that we have was given to us by God and actually the community. And like I said, the, the whole complete goal is to get you your own housing. And in one, in the city of Philadelphia, one thing we know for sure is that Reverend Wells and Margaret Wells, they started the first recovery house. And the reason why, going back to what Chip said, we had to really do the orange and blue, was to kind of separate ourselves. Not to say we better or whatever, but what Dad started was a monster. And now we have over 300 recovery houses. And when you have a bunch of different places that's opening, you need to be able to say to yourself, what's real, what's good, what may work for me and what's not. Because like Chip said, Chip always put me out there until we we kicked out his family member. (laughs) Um, We understand that everybody's not for ODAC. Right. Because you can't come to ODAT not wanting to give back what you tore up in the community. So one of my big rules is that if the first thing we do with intake is we try you out for at least 72 hours. So when we ask you to touch a broom. If you don't want to touch the broom, we give you a referral. We give you a few dollars and we drop you off somewhere else because we're about building back up our community. Mm. And that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Yeah. Can, can I ask you, you, you're, uh, you're talking about how y- your work, um, n- nudges the community towards, uh, towards growth and re- renewal. And, um, uh, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the crime that you're, that that's, uh, happening in a place like Kensington, a lot of that's connected to opioid uh problems correct um so so um and, and maybe maybe a lot of people uh might might not understand um the the heroin you're using language like zombies the heroin is kind of a takeover correct i mean yeah, yeah. these aren't like violent uh uh dark-hearted folks mm-hmm. but this this is the the um the search for, we call it a fix, but it's really a, a kind of hunger that's beyond control sometimes, correct? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, so, so by, by addressing the, the drug use, uh, that leads to a, a better community, correct? Yeah. 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 And you, you know, it's, uh, maybe I can answer that from a non drug user. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I got high once when I was maybe twenty, and I was kind of like, you know, I feel like this all the time, so it's not worth spending money. Um, so I left <laughs> it alone. <laughs> I think it, it was hash, you know, some big giant brown block block these guys gave me, yeah, and no whatever. Bueno. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, you 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 said I was talking to a gentleman that was at Odette who was an addict, was living in abandoned building with jars of urine and feces all over the place. And, and, and he just laid there and, and, and slept there and felt great. And I asked him, I said, I don't understand why, like you're looking around at all this stuff. How in the world could you think that this is okay? And he said, Chip, the only way I can explain being an addict is imagine if you were at two, three miles 
at the bottom of the sea. And you're sitting on the ground at the bottom of the sea. And the only thing you have in your hand is a hose of oxygen. What would be the most important thing to you? I said, that hose. He said, I wouldn't. He said, that hose is all I cared about. I didn't care where I was. I was I didn't care what was going on. I had my hose. He said, that's the way this addiction is. And so you don't think about anything else except that hose. And and the and the problem and and when I was talking to him, I was like, well, what what is it? He said, it's not the drugs. He says the drugs are just a symptom of a deeper problem. He said, what we try to do at ODAT in our groups is talk about that thing we never dealt with. It's because that is the drugs are not the problem. It's that thing I never dealt with. And he shared personally, I won't share now what his stuff was, but he said, everybody, it's not drugs. It's not the drug deal. It's that thing that we don't want to deal with. And so we turn to this. And that's just a symptom of a much deeper problem. And that's what we try and get to, which for me on the outside, I was like, wow, okay. That I wasn't ever addicted to drugs. I don't know what that feeling is. I, but I, I could relate when he shared that story and I go, wow, man, that's, that's a hopeless state. So that that garners some level of empathy then from from everybody because that that's the state of all of us in our in the tragedy the the, the yeah. dark parts of our life that's growing out of a a deeper need or issue in our lives so that 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 humanizes the challenge in a way that I feel like is very important that's great thank you sorry I cut you off you're about to say no something. no no it's okay um. I kind of can relate as a non-drug user too. Now, I had a lot of other things going on in my life, but as a non-drug user and as a as a daughter of a drug user, I think what Chip said is right when you address the stuff that happened way before you were using drugs. I think for me not to use drugs, I was addressing the, the things that were happening in my life as they were happening. Yeah. So as my mom, as I see my mom prostituting on a corner, as right. I see my mom... Um, smoking crack or hiding crack pipes in my bedroom or, you know, because as a teen mom trying to not be the mother that my mom was, I think that because I had a baby at such a young age, it made me address what my mom was doing at the time to not be that way. Yeah. So a lot of people, some people would use, they, their parents got high in front of them. That's why they was getting high. You know, they got high with their parents. I'm not knocking none of that at all. I just think that because I addressed what was going on in my life at the time, probably if I didn't have a baby, I probably wouldn't address it because I probably would have stayed away from it, always wow. been gone. Yeah. But because yeah. I had a baby at such a young age and I had to address being a mother, seeing what my mom did in front of my face was like, yeah, I don't want to be that mom. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, do these drugs. And I saw how it made her act. I saw the trouble that it put me in from fighting people in the street over crack for my mom. So they won't help. They won't hurt my mom. And, all the all the other things. I think that's what made me be able to not use use drugs. Now my life went down a lot of different um not so good paths um that God spared me from. But the drug part I can say was addressed because it had to be. I had no choice. I was a mom. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at this mother who was on drugs, which was my mom, and I was like, I can't I can't be like that to this baby. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. I don't want to be that kind of mom because it was right there in my face. 
So it's yeah. like either you want to be that kind of mom or you don't. And, and Josh, uh, why don't you share, how old were you when you had your first child? I was 15. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I, I you know, I marvel. I marvel at Tasha's story. Um, you know, I've known Tasha now for six years. And to be 15 years old, and your mom is addicted to drugs, so there's no help, and you have a child, you're on your own, mm-hmm. lost your father to gun violence. Yeah. And to see where she's at today is a testimony. Yeah. I could have went a different way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing I would add to Chip and Todd, I appreciate you, Chip, because you you making me, because we do so much, I can't even just keep everything right here, <laughs> is that that's one of the first questions I ask people in my group, and Chip probably heard me ask my people, or tell them that. If you came to one day at a time to get off of drugs, you're in the wrong place. But if you came to one day at a time to get a new life or get your life back, you're in the right place. You come here to work on your character, not only the drug, because your character, just like sin, is what led you to the drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like something the church could say at, at some level. That's, uh, yeah. that's yeah. powerful. Everything yeah. I say, I almost stole from the church. <laughs> there, there you go. That's right. And, and I'll tell you, that was it. <laughs> two, two of the, two of the uh, stories, I guess I'll characterize it in that way, uh, regarding ODAT that I heard while I was there and I just absolutely love is one is there are areas or communities, uh, you know, or specific spots that need to be cleaned up. They just get overrun with, uh, you know, people who are stuck in addiction or, you know, just kind of waste and all of that. And it's to the point now where in many cases they won't even call the city anymore. They call ODAT to come clean mm-hmm. it up because, mm-hmm. because they know that it's going to get done. Uh, if, yeah. And ODAT's going to be more effective. And the the second story I've kind of heard and piecing together from different people is that because ODAT is so successful in what they do, it's caught the eye of a lot of people who want, you know, good publicity. <laughs> And celebrities mm-hmm. and politicians mm-hmm. and yeah. rappers and athletes yeah. and yeah. Uh, what I what I hear is if they want to come down and get a photo op, they get uh, basically handed a broom and they got to put in a day's work before they get to take pictures. Is that is that fairly true? Yeah, that, uh, that's true. So I don't care if you're running for mayor or governor, <laughs> you're eventually gonna have to come see me. Even Jazzy Jeff, if he rolled through, would you say? Even Jazzy Jeff, if he rolled through? Jazzy Jeff is so funny. Right? <laughs> we work with Charlie Mack. No, we work with Charlie Mack. And oh, Charlie is that Mack right? Actually, no, that's true. That's Charlie Mack sent us uh, Meek Mills. I personally had to do one-on-ones oh, with Meek Mills on a gang case he has. And I don't say that to brag. I just No, I get it. Yeah, you see me now? Or you yeah. see me later? Yeah. I hope you see me before you hit the, the jail cell or the graveyard. That's yeah, good. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Let let me ask one one other question here. I want to we're going to kind of bring this in for a landing. Although again, we've just scratched the surface of all the good work that you guys are doing. But uh, you know, Mel and Tasha, you are followers of Jesus. You're disciples in the Greater Philadelphia Church. Chip, you're the evangelist there. But ODAT is not a church organization. It's its own separate thing. So. Real briefly here, what does that um, partnership look like and how has that helped ODAT? And then, you know, maybe Chip, how has that 
help the mission of the church, this partnership? You know, that's a fantastic question that I have wrestled with for years until I came back to Philadelphia, where I'm from. And, you know, you can see Kensington and some of these tragic scenarios. And as a Christian, you just feel overwhelmed. You're like, what do I do? Do I just pull this homeless person in my home? And I don't know how to help them. I, I, you know, and granted, my life has gone down a path as I'm very happy. My family sleeps in clean beds and, and things are great. And you feel this guilt because you know that God cares about everyone. And what ODAT has done has partnered folks that have maybe don't have anywhere remotely close to the life that you see in some of these tragic scenarios. Partnered them with folks that have had incredible lives with those who haven't. And you get a chance to walk in their shoes by serving where you're putting the guy who just got out of jail. Maybe 18 years he spent with the guy who just graduated from Harvard Business School cleaning up the streets together, hearing each other's story. And, you know, the truth of the matter is we're all God's children. We all got our own issues and we all are in a state of recovery. We all have things that we are dealing with. And all of a sudden you're putting folks in uh, relationships that never get to talk. You're getting even the politicians. Now you get to talk with the folks. And so what that does is it offers us that opportunity to walk and talk just like Jesus to, to actually, you know, you watch Jesus and he's healing whole villages and you see, you feel that as a minister, I can't come close to that. I can't even, you know, do that. Well, what, what do you do? Well, you partner with ODAT. And we're changing villages. We're changing families. We are partnered together, cleaning up the streets and helping people. We're, but it also brings this unique change in my life and the lives of those that may not have gone down there. Because now all of a sudden you get a, a glimpse of their how they walk. You know, prior to the pandemic, once a month we had a prayer service at ODAT. And it was for anyone that was a victim of violent crime anyone that was homeless or anyone that was in recovery. And we just had a service in the evening. It was singing and praying and any and everybody could share any and everybody, whether you had faith, whether you didn't, whether you're Muslim, whether you had a Christian type background, it didn't matter. And we all came together and it'd be about maybe eight, four to eight disciples there, but there's 150 people (laughs) present. And we all circle up and we're all praying for our recovery. We're praying for one another. We're hearing victory stories. There was, and there's always somebody who's been clean, maybe four hours, <laughs> and, you know, and they're raising their hand and everyone is swarming to them, you know, and now all of a sudden you got folks that are affluent, folks that are not affluent, graduate college students, non-graduate homeless addicts. You got folks just coming all together praying to God for recovery. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And then you don't feel overwhelmed because I can go anywhere in the city of Philadelphia and you see folks with the cards. I'm homeless. Please help me out. And you go, what? I'm going to give them two bucks. What? what, Five dollars. What's that going to do? I can say, Hey, go to 24th and Lehigh Mm -hmm. and they can get you in a program and get you housing. And many of them, you know what they say? Oh yeah. I've been down to there. I'm not going back down there. Not because it wasn't helpful. But Oded expected 
change. We're going to help you out, but we expect change. And they know it. And then it helps your own conscience to know, you know what? I'm not just giving them $2 or my spare change. They have a real opportunity to, to change their life. And Satan has, has lied to them that they're incapable. But you can always go, go down to 24th and Lehigh and get your housing guaranteed in 18 months. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So there's opportunity. And that is just a beautiful thing. But yeah. God did all that. And now I get to participate as a Christian. And, and, you've, and you, you know, it helps your gratitude. It helps your own state of mind. It's just a beautiful thing. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Wow. That's that's amazing. Um, for me, um, Oda is not the church, but it's ran by God. Mm. Um, I think that um, like 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 Chip was talking about, even like the prayer service, um, it is ran by God because they say with two or more come together. You know what I mean? And yeah, and and so my thing is, even though it's, it's not the church, we're 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 uh, we're, we're getting disciples out of this. <laughs> some of our some of our employees have been baptized. We actually got another disciple from the church running another facility in South Philly. You know what I mean? I feel like God is turning this thing around. So it's going to be, and I, I feel like it's going to be a lot of us probably running the sites to be able to bring more souls to Christ. That's mm-hmm. just that's what we're doing. We're doing we're doing God's work. You know what I mean? Is that we getting a lot of people baptized and a lot of people to understand more about God. We have Bible studies every Friday with the clients that know about the Bible, that's open to the Bible, that want to study the Bible. And we try to be um, just let uh, Jesus light shine through us so they could want to be more like Christ. And, you know, it, and it's awesome because, uh, you know, we ran a facility in Chestnut Hill from a seven day Adventist building. So they don't meet on. Sundays. So we yeah, have so the facility. We. Oh, okay. And <laughs> and so I'm talking to the minister there and we're just talking about doctrine. We're talking about faith and things of that nature. And I said, you know, here's where we're at. He goes, you know, Chip, he said, we don't do anything for the poor, our whole congregation. He said, could you help me? I said, could I help you? <laughs> I immediately connected him to Odat and Mel and now they started going down there. They were feeding them. They were doing all kinds of things, serving them. That We have, Jesus wanted villages changed. Yeah. You know, and as a Christian, you can sometimes feel like, well, it's got to be just us. Preaching. No. Yeah. Jesus, called, he went in these places and changed these places. We can do that because when you do that, you know, a couple that was baptized just over a year ago, they've been down there for 30 years. Yeah. And they got worn out by seeing the consistency of faithful disciples serving. They studied the Bible. The husband got <laughs> baptized a month later. The wife got baptized. Uh, and, you know, it's just because they're seeing something magnificent that's never been done. Just like Jesus when he went in the yeah. villages. You know, you go through Kensington. We're getting ready to kick off. Uh, Mel's getting ready to kick off on the 15th. I'm going there. I'm going to open the doors of a prayer in Kensington. We're going in the heart of Satan's den of lies. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you. When you get to that ODAT facility, that block will be different. That yeah. block will, will be a message that change is possible if we work together. Yeah. Wow. No matter where you come from, we My work God. together. You get that unified effort. God does amazing things because God cares about the suffering that's going on in the world. We are the answer through God. And, and when you have a, partnership like ODAT, you feel like, man, I, 
Because when somebody fails, you don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. But the addict that's in recovery knows what to say. Yeah, sure. You, you, you know what I'm saying? They know what to say. And I felt, you know, I feel guilty. I feel all like, and I, this one guy was a great friend of mine down at Odette. And he, he had a terrible turn. Police looking for him. It was all bad. And I was like, man, this guy was the one. I went to a good friend, Daryl Chapman, who's down at Odette. And I said, Daryl, I don't know how to handle this, man. He goes, Chip, don't worry about it. He goes, he'll come back. And I'll be here for him. He's going to fall again, but I'll be here for him. That's just the way it is. You just, you know, hey, I'm, and I'm like, wow, yeah. dude. That's that resilience you, you guys are talking about. Just to yeah. persevere. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. And I think Mike was asking the question, if I may, I'm not as elaborate as Chip and, and Tasha, but there is no ODAT without the church. Be honest with you. Yeah. There's no Mel Wells. Yeah. There's no Reverend Wells and Margaret Wells. They would have got divorced mm-hmm. without the word of God being involved in it. Our shelter that holds 80 people a night was purchased by the church. Yeah. To be honest, there is no ODAC without Jesus. I can't say that in every corporate room and boardroom and funder don't want to hear that. But I know the truth, and I better never forget that. Wow. Is that something new? That's it's so amazing, so inspiring. And I'll I'll make one final Philadelphia connection here, which is when I was growing up and you'd go watch a Rocky movie, you know, the, the training scenes and the montages and the music. And I'd come out like, I want to get in a fight or something. Like I'm so inspired. Like I want to get into boxing. So if somebody is sitting here today and I don't know how they can listen to this episode and not be inspired, not be drawn in and be like, man, I want to, I want to be part of that. I want to do that. Um, what, what would be a step? What would you say? You know, if they're like, I wish we had an ODAT in our city, in our church, uh, what, what could be a next step for somebody in that position? First of all, I'm going to let our goal, me and Chip goal, is to actually open up ODAT through Hope Worldwide in every city across the United States. So we need help. We waiting for calls from leaders from Hope Worldwide, the church saying we're not, and me and Chip not trying to make money. We don't need no money. We do this in London. We do this in India. We do this in Cambodia. We just want the brain because we know that this world, sometimes they don't want to bend their knees. But at the same time, we'd be able to run into them by putting this brand in every city around the United States. And I believe more people will get to Jesus Christ by going through the brand. Some people have to be sized up with that. But another way to get involved, we have some ways people can get in contact with us. They can talk to me personally. They can talk to Chip. They can talk to Tasha personally. Even just, you know, in your own city, you can just start doing outreach just like Odin. You can just do on Instagram and Facebook, say, I'm going to give out socks today and owe that name and get sent us the pictures and we get you more information to give away and do everything. But Tasha has some information so people can get connected to us. Um, on Instagram is original ODAT, original O-D-A-A-T. That's ODAT Instagram page. Also, um, president.odat is where is Mel personal page where you would actually find even more information about um, how you can serve, how you can donate. Our website is, um, um, is odatphilly.org. Um, you can go on there, find out any information you need to know, contact us. Um, email information is there. Information about one day at a time, about Mel Wells, how to contact. Get in contact with us. And my Instagram is twbundles. That's T-W-B-U-N-D-L-E-S. You can uh, contact me on there at um, any time to get you know any information you need about one day at a time. And as well, um, 
I sell here and I also give back to uh, cancer patients that, as well that need like wigs and want to feel beautiful again. So, um, yeah, that's how you get in touch with us. And if you if you're listening to this podcast and you're in college or young person that wants uh, to get an internship, go to hopeforkids.org. Yeah. And you can apply for a internship where you'll work yeah. hand in hand with ODAT. You'll be down on the streets of North Philly. You'll be in some of the recovery homes. You'll yeah. also work with kids with special needs. And then you'll also be a youth mentor. And we have a summer program to really help. So if you're listening to this, you want to come and see it. Uh, I'm telling you, it's it's pretty awesome. I, It's God. It's not because of great intelligence. Um, it's just God doing some really special things here, unique things that took, that are taking place here. And we pray that it will have a domino effect in other places and, uh, God would continue to do the great work, but it's a lot of work, Mm. but it's a great work. Well, also, um, also, uh, Twitter is original Odette as well. And then you can even if you can't actually be Mel Wells' friend, you still can follow him on Facebook at Mel Wells. I don't know none of that stuff. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I, I would agree with you there, Mel. Lady Tasha, Mel, Chip, thank you all so much Privilege. for joining us yeah. today. An incredible episode. You guys are doing amazing, inspiring things uh, in the name of Christ, and we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Honored to be here. As I said, I don't know how you could listen to that episode and not be inspired by Tasha and Mel and Chip and what they're doing at ODAT and the Greater Philadelphia Church of Christ. If you want more information on that, then we will put all those websites in the show notes. If you like this podcast, then please subscribe and give it a good rating. That helps other people find it. And please do share this episode on your social media, in groups that you're part of on social media, so that as many people as possible can hear this, be inspired by it, maybe be the impetus for the next chapter in ODAT. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.